0: A script um, called Billy Galvin, and um, I had two producing partners, Tony Mark and Sue Jett, who were just you know brilliant and, and were great friends. And we were trying to raise money for this movie, It's just a little father-son story, coming, kind of coming, coming of age story. And we were trying to get Robert Duvall to play the father. You know, how do you get to Robert Duvall? We don't know. Um, we found out who his agent was, and we did what they call a, uh, a total over the transom.
1: We're back to the Neil Haley show here on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program first. My co host, Greg Hanna Toss C3. Greg, what's up? How are you, man? You're getting used to this co hosting thing, and it's a lot of fun, isn't it?
2: Oh, it's fantastic. You always find the best guests. Yeah, I
1: always find them, and they're going to be always, and trust me, and we're here in the summer. Imagine the fall. Oh, my. As we know, as John, my guest, knows how crazy these different things happen and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm really excited about my guest today. And the reason I think so is just the his story, his journey of how he's created these brands, and these opportunities is absolutely phenomenal. Uh to say the least, uh, ghost whisperer and much, much more. John Gray's known for. He's a writer, director, author, a jack of all trades. John, thanks for stopping by, man. How are you? Thanks for having me, Neil. Greg, thanks. All right, so let's go start with this, John. Growing up, did you always want, what what was first, the writer, the director, the producer, films? What was the thing that you wanted to do first growing up?
0: Well, oddly enough, I thought I wanted to be an actor when I was really very, very young, because I I just thought the actors did it all. You know, I'm talking about like I was 10, 11 years old. I would watch something on TV, or I'd go to the movies, and I wanted to do that. So um, I used to put on plays behind my building. We had a loading dock behind the apartment building I grew up in. And if you squinted, it it could sort of seem like a stage. And so I used to put on plays and starring myself, of course. Um, And I used to get frustrated that I couldn't control where my audience such as they were my fellow 10 year olds, uh, I couldn't control where they looked. Um, And I realized, if I had a camera, I could do that. I could do a close-up of a gun and a close-up of a scared face. And, and so that's how I started to realize that there was a consciousness, uh, a storytelling consciousness besides the actors, um, that that was behind the, the real storytelling. And so I was very fortunate, I think, that I learned at a very young age, this is what I wanted to do. And I was equally fortunate that I never really knew how difficult that would be to try to become a film director and writer. Uh, you know, here I was in Brooklyn, no connections, no, you know, no real way in. And so I just sort of uh, wrote scripts, made films as much as I could with borrowed stuff. And, um, you know, it took a lot of years, but but finally it's things started to kind of gel for me.
2: Wow. What was the uh, first big break, so called break for you?
0: Well, I think really the first big, big break, and I, I had gotten a few smaller breaks along the way uh, where I got to direct some uh, uh, kind of independent short films for an educational film company in Washington DC and got to you know get paid for directing pretty young and I was happy with that. But I had written a script um, called Billy Galvin and um, I had two producing partners, Tony Mark and Sue Jett, who were just you know, brilliant and, and were great friends. And we were trying to raise money for this movie. It's just a little father-son story, coming, coming, coming of age story. And we were trying to get Robert Duvall to play the father. You know, How did he get to Robert Duvall? We don't know. Um, we found out who his agent was. And we did what they call a, uh, a total over-the-transom submission. We just basically sent the script to his agent who happened to be a guy named Fred Spector, who I didn't know anything about at the time at CAA. And so we sent this script to Fred Spector and, you know, dear Mr. Agent, you know, this is the film I want to make. And we'd love to have Robert to be in it. And so literally about three weeks later, I get a phone call. And by the way, I, at that time to make a living, I was giving out tickets for CBS to test their TV shows. I was trying to recruit, you know, tourists to come right. in. And, and I, there was a phone booth back in the days of phone booths on my corner and that became my office. I gave out that number and I would answer the phone, John Gray's office, hold on, please. And so the phone rings and they say, this is Fred Spector calling, is, 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 hold, hold for Fred. Yeah, and I was amazed. And it turned out that they really liked the script. Um, they liked it for Bobby. I what? said, who? Bobby, Bobby Duvall. Oh, of course, Bobby, yes. <laughs> and 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 he said but we also like the writing and who are you do you have an agent and i said uh, you know i don't have an agent and um the next thing i know fred Spector comes to new york on other business and he asked to meet with me and he he signs me as a writer and i said you know really i'm a director and he said of course you are let's start with writing and we'll take it from there so that was you know that was like 1984 i think um and so that was the culmination of about 10 or 12 years of, of you know, eating my shoes. Uh, but once that break happened, then my whole career just fell into place you know, from, from that point on.
1: And that seems like that's what happened in, in certain things. You get your first break, you get in, you develop those different things. How did this ghost whisperer thing happen? I mean, this is so huge for you. I mean, it's the thing I guess you're no- most known for, John, and it really was success. How did it happen? So, you know, cut
0: to many years later, um, I've, I've now been making a lot of, uh, I've made a few feature films, uh, I've made many uh, films for television, and a lot of them I made for CBS. Wow. And I had a really great relationship with CBS and the executives there. We liked each other a lot, like working together. And I'd never thought about series, I really wasn't interested in series. You know, about, you know same characters every week, same locations, basically. It really didn't didn't turn me on. I love the world of movies where you know, every movie is a different world and uh, you know, you go to a different place to make it. It was just great. But at any rate, one of the executives, Bella Bajaria at CBS, called me and said that she had come across this woman who had been introduced to her by James Van Praagh, famed psychic. And um, this woman, Mary Winkowski, was someone who uh, could see ghosts and could could... Uh, convince earthbound ghosts to cross over. And um, Bella said, you should meet this woman. I think there might be a series here. Uh, I don't know, series, but I was in LA and and Marianne happened to be in LA, even though she's from Cleveland. So I went to meet her at a Starbucks in Studio City. And I'm expecting this kind of exotic looking, ethereal woman. You know, I, well, I don't know. And I walk in and there's Marianne, just like salt of the earth, decent, Midwestern woman, her husband, Ted, with her, big, burly, ex-marine, buzz cut, um, tattoos, it's just not what not I really expected from the world of, you know, ghost seers. And uh, I had such a great conversation with her, and we talked about what these ghosts were looking for and the idea of closure and the idea that they wanted maybe get, another, get one last message across to their loved ones. And so I really became kind of intrigued with the idea, and I asked Marianne, So I said, "What is it like? So you see ghosts all the time? Do you you ever turn it off?" "No, they're just there all the time. Uh, Sometimes I "I try not to let them know that I can see them, so they don't bother me." Uh, And I said, "Are there ghosts right now in the Starbucks?" And she said, "Oh yeah, this tree right here right now." And she pointed them out to me. You know, (laughs) because there's a guy sitting there on his computer, and his mother's over his shoulder, and this person. And so that that scene ended up in the the pilot actually. Uh, And so I walked away from that meeting thinking, you know, I love horror. I love gothic horror. I love ghost stories. And I love emotion, you know, a sort of like emotionally driven drama. And so I thought, this might be a chance to meld all those things into, into a show. So I agreed to do it. I thought, well, I've never written a pilot. I'll write the pilot. And that'll probably be the end of it. You know, I'll, ever make, I'll make the show. And I wrote the pilot. And they say, yes, let's do it. Let's, let's shoot the pilot. Okay, so I've never directed a pilot. I'll do that. They'll, they'll never make a series out of it, but it'll be a fun experience. I direct a pilot and they liked it. They said, okay, let's let's do 13 episodes. And I was like, now I have to do this 13 times? Are you kidding me? So, you know, we ended up doing 120-something times. Uh, and that was really it. The show kind of took off and was very successful in its time slot. Uh, I think it struck sort a of chord with people. People were attracted to this idea of... Um, you know, having that chance to, to get that one final message to your loved one, uh, getting a message. Um, and so, uh, you know, we tried to make the show a combination of like a little bit of a mystery. It was a little bit of a horror movie. We had some humor in it. Uh, lots of twists and turns. And, you know, luckily it just clicked with the
2: audience. Wow. Did did that show prompt you to do other shows or movies Along the same vein in the horror genre?
0: You know, um, I did, I really did love the horror genre. I, I became, I was less enamored of network television um, just because, you know, we were doing 24 episodes a year and very difficult really for quality control when you're turning out that, that many episodes. So I wasn't really actively trying to do another series in that model. But um, it did, I learned a lot from doing it, learned a lot about storytelling. And uh, I, I've always had, it was no more or less after that show. I've always had an interest in the supernatural. And so uh, you know, I've written several horror movies or supernatural thrillers. Uh, the novel I just written, The Desecrated, is a supernatural thriller. And um, it's a genre that I really love. As a kid, I loved it. I love going to the movies and being scared. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone loves being scared while you're, while you're safe at home or safe in the theater. Um, and it's not the only thing I'm interested in. I've done comedies, I've done romantic comedies, right. I've done straight dramas, but I always seem to come back to that kind of dark horror sensibility because I just love it.
1: Right, we'll get to the desecrated next, but I wanted to ask you uh, right now: Are you, do you you're doing other? Are you doing any other writing of other stuff? Not just your book. You're probably still working on some films and stuff you're doing, right?
0: What? I am. I, I, I we're actually just about to go out with the Warner Brothers. I sold them a pitch um, off also for a new horror series. Um, we're just about to start pitching that probably in the fall. Um, uh, I, I've been making short films as a way to kind of stay creative uh, during a very slow process of development in Hollywood, which I got really frustrated with. So I decided to kind of go back to my roots as a young filmmaker and uh, I make these short films. My wife produces them with me, Melissa Peltier. She's a genius and uh, we make these short films for very little money. And we bring in all my friends I've worked with in the past and uh, we try to do one or two a year. And so I'm always writing one of those. And uh, we go on the film festival circuit with those, which is a world I've really come to love. You know, I love going out there and meeting other filmmakers, meeting young filmmakers. I do seminars and classes and try to pass on, you know, whatever little knowledge I have. Uh, and I love seeing other people's movies and watching my own short films in theaters, you know, big screens with audiences. It's just fabulous. Um, and I, you know, I have to admit, I've said this before, that I love this process so much that sometimes my manager will call me and say, so listen, we have a meeting about this project or that project. And I'm like, ah, it's gonna interrupt my short filmmaking. You know, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so it, it's really been sweet. And uh, uh, we have a horror movie uh, based on the novel, but desecrated that we're trying to uh, uh, get get on its feet. Um, so, you know, just a lot of balls in the air is, is what you have to do in this business. Yeah.
2: Um, I know Neil wants to get the desecrated, but I get another quick question to ask you What about the movies. Um, what was your favorite movie that, uh, that you worked on? You
0: know, it's, it's so hard to pick a favorite because for me, wrapped up in those movies are not only the final movie, or however it turned out, good or bad, but the experience of making it. You know where I was when I made it, uh, the people I work with, and and the family that we made while we were making that film, and that is the, those are the things I carry with me, um, you know, going forward. So, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite. I made a movie about Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, called Martin Lewis, with uh, Sean Hayes and Jeremy Northam, and I had such a phenomenal time on that movie. We, we recreated nightclubs from the forties and fifties. And uh, it was just so much fun. And and, you know, Sean Hayes is just a genius and a great guy. And we had a wonderful crew on that. Um, I did a movie called The Hunley about the first civil war submarine. uh, In fact, the first submarine used in combat successfully ever. And we shot that in Charleston, South Carolina and Armand DeSante and Donald Sutherland. And I got very close to them. And in fact, I, I so fell in love with Charleston that my wife and I have been vacationing there ever since. You know, this is like 20 years now. Um, So it's just, you know, it's hard to choose a favorite. Um, You know, I love them all.
1: All right. So now writing a a novel, The Desecrated, this is new for you, right? This, this, this. Because so you consider yourself a writer for screenwriter for different things, director, but, but this is different. So how much did this, Kind of change who you are as a writer writing this
0: well it was a it was a really you know definitely a learning curve coming from your know, screenwriting
1: right screenwriting different.
0: trying to write novels you know because you know, when you're writing a script you're totally conscious at all times of the running time you have you want to be as economic as possible every single moment and I at least and I'm sure most screenwriters particularly in television where you're really restricted time-wise, you get frustrated because sometimes you just you want to go another mile with a with a certain character and you can't do it because there's just, there's just no time to do it. And so in novels, you're 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 painting a picture, you're trying to put a picture in the audience's mind. Uh, and you also get an opportunity to every now and again go down a little side alley and go into a character's backstory and discuss how this character got to be who they are today. And if you can do it in an entertaining way, um, you know the reader goes with you and and love that. And so you still have to be economic and as spare as possible to make it a good reading experience. But there's so much more freedom in being able to use your words um, in as artful a way as possible, which is not important in screenwriting except for dialogue. Uh, and you know just to create a world visually on paper in someone's mind. Um, and and to have that freedom of of developing story and character, that you don't always have in scripts, I loved it. I mean, it was it was difficult. Um, it you know, it was not easy for me, but uh, I, I love it. And I think the next one will be a little bit easier. I mean,
1: Absolutely amazing. So, uh, good, Greg, your next question.
2: No, I was just going to ask you. Um, you know, I know you love doing the short films, and that's pretty exciting. Um, do you, do you have a dream project that's in the back of your mind that you're always kind of nurturing and developing and you know one day it'll come out and yes what's it going to be i
0: have I have a TV series that my wife and I have developed and uh, it's set in the world of the silent film industry and it's about a woman, uh, one of the few women who w- was able to own a studio, run a studio in those days nineteen twenty seven. And it's really um, it's not really about Hollywood. It's not really about the movie business. It's really a thriller about a con woman who manages to get to the heights, the top of of Hollywood in 1927 uh, and loves it and has abandoned her life of crime to have this life of movies. Uh, And then her past goes back to haunt her and secrets are revealed. and She has to now fight for her career. And um, it's it's something I'm really excited about. It's been very difficult to sell because everyone's terrified of period pieces, um, terrified of the 1920s, terrified about what they perceive are Hollywood stories, even though it's not really. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a very strong female role, a very strong female show, and I'm just determined to get that done. You know, before I die, we're going to make that show.
2: Who would you love to cast as the lead in that?
0: You know, it, it's interesting because you you really could cast. Uh, almost any age for this, the way the character, you know, is set up. Um, So, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to nail one person because I don't want to limit it. Um, But it it could be anyone, you know, from someone in their 60s to someone in their late 20s.
1: Wow. Now, talking about the desecrated, tell us the premise without giving anything away. That's the problem, right? Aren't you glad we're talking about all these things in the book? Because when you talk about the book too much, People aren't gonna buy, it. but they can sell John Gray and say they're buying it because they're a fan of John Gray. That's the goal of branding, and you're branded in that way. So writing a novel, you have more opportunities to sell more books because you're already branded. So kind of tell us about the book without giving away.
0: Okay. Well, the book basically is about a young woman named Sabrina. I'm sorry, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Shelby. And um, she works the night shift at New York City Morgue um she just suffered the loss of her father she's only 20. um she's grieving her father's loss uh, when her father died when he got sick she had to drop out of uh college to take care of him and he died and the tuition kind of went with him and so she's at loose ends in her life and she takes his night job at the morgue to try to just get centered again and figure out what she's going to do with her with her future and she loves being alone she loves having no one around her except the dead it doesn't bother her uh and then into her life comes this crazy, charismatic, heartthrob English movie star named Trevor Price. And Trevor has been sentenced to community service at the New York City morgue. And, you know, there's instant conflict between the two of them. Uh, Tre- Trevor is just this charming, funny, irreverent guy who takes nothing seriously whatsoever. Um, and Jennifer is, uh, you know, loves her job, doesn't jeopardize her job. And she really respects the dead. And what they do for the dead, he doesn't. And so his presence starts to uh, spark a series of hauntings at the morgue. And in trying to solve those hauntings, um, we unravel this incredibly complex story full of twists and turns about why the morgue is haunted and what's happening behind the wow. scenes at the morgue and that kind of thing. That, that, wow. That's the gist of it. That's the Irish thing. And interestingly enough, you, uh, it, it's sort of based on a true thing and that you may have heard of this. But I think it was back in 2015, Lindsay Lohan was convicted. I'm I'm not sure what it was. It was a DUI or something like that. And she was sentenced to 53 days of community service at the L.A. County morgue. And when I came across this little item, uh, I was kind of really intrigued by it. She thought, how interesting is that? And, you know, what an imagination that judge had think of this. And also, what must that have been like for the people who work in the morgue? Now there's a movie star, a controversial movie star, working side by side. So that's really what kind of gave me the idea for this. And as the years went by and I kept thinking about it, I, I reversed the genders and, and um, you know, just, uh, just had a lot of fun kind of developing that story.
1: Wow. All right, Greg, one more, one more question. Do you to you'd
2: like to see it as a, a movie someday? I will make it as a movie. I'm going to, absolutely. Oh,
1: good. Yeah. So it's all about now the next step. So, so it'll be your movie, right? So you'll direct it still, right? Yes, absolutely. So that's the next passion part. So that's where you keep busy doing all the shorts to keep going while you're pitching this to get this to become a movie, then right. it happens. And that have you seen the game changes so much with going out and getting financing for films? Because that's a process itself As you have an entrepreneur mindset in that way, John. Because if you want certain films to be made, unless you're going to have a major company take it on it's your funding you got to go get the financing is that a challenge for you or is that something you enjoy it
0: is you know it's more difficult than ever before to raise money for for movies you know as you know the pandemic uh, theatrical exhibition took a huge hit um uh it, it's it's super difficult and you know we're we'd really be thrilled if we could get it on a netflix or an amazon um but uh, you know, look—it's just—it's just tough. There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of there's so much content going on right now. Um, however, I will say that horror is an evergreen. Uh, people, I think, always love horror. They love being scared, and I think this is a fresh enough story um, that people will be attracted to it. So I, I'm very confident we'll, we'll
1: get it made and soon. All right. Well, we'll have to hear, hear back from you in that way, John. Where's the best place that we can purchase the book and learn more about you? Where can we go?
0: Uh, the book is available in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can ask for it uh, at a Barnes & Noble store. They'll get it for you. Um, and uh, I know that there, are, if you go to my website, which is uh, johngrayofficial.com, there are other avenues to get the book
1: go through that website as well. Fantastic. All right. And Greg, website for people to find your business.
2: Yeah, best place to find me at my website is tossc3.com.
1: All right. And that's he's he's the cybersecurity expert. So anything involving cybersecurity, John, this is the guy that calls Greg. Okay, excellent. Uh, 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 fun times on my website, neilhaley.com and at NeilHaley.com. I'm the media giant. And you want to give me a call, chat with me, check me out. Look forward to it. Appreciate it, John. I love the story. I love your passion. I love what you're trying to do. And it's really interesting to tell people to keep going, especially I'm waiting for your memoir, John. That's got to be next. Especially <laughs> talking about 14 years old. I mean, at a certain time, answering the phone, trying to find an agent. These that People love that kind of story. Then getting an agent, going through the process, because there's so many people grinding like you grind today, John, to become John Gray. You know that, right? Uh, if you, know, you say
0: so, I'll, I'll
1: take I'm that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The amount of creatives out there that want to be like you. I appreciate it, John. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Greg. All Thank right. You. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in a moment.